We are Irresistible. A community of practice in collective healing and social change. Because our commitment to justice and to our own lives is compelling, joyful, and irresistible. Together, we celebrate the many traditions of movement leaders, cultural workers, and spiritual teachers who remind us to embody the liberation we are pursuing and who show us that our movements for justice can and must be expansive, vibrant, and alive. Because we are so much more than resistance. We are irresistible. Hey everybody, I'm Kate Warning, and welcome to Irresistible, a podcast formerly known as Healing Justice. I am so excited to be bringing you this really, really timely conversation. I just got off the phone with Yaya Alazrek, who is the campaign director at Resource Generation, and Dara Marquez, who is a volunteer field organizer with Movimiento Cosecha. And we were talking about this new campaign that's happening called Share My Check, which is all about donating the stimulus checks that are coming into bank accounts and mailboxes everywhere this week and beyond to those who need that support the most. So I'm looking at sharemycheck.org right now, and the couple of headlines on this website, I think, are a great summation of what we talked about, that millions of people have lost their jobs in a matter of weeks. Millions of people will not be receiving stimulus checks from the government at all, and that people who survive on their salaries or savings right now do not need a stimulus check. This conversation is all about redistribution, which is an ethic that we hold very dearly in all times, but has become much more acutely obvious and urgent in its need right now. That those of us who are receiving a stimulus check and are able to live on what we already have, it's time for us to really look within and figure out where we can support mutual aid funds, where we can be supporting organizing work that we really believe in, that's building political power to sustain that work, um, and how we can be giving any of the resources, whether it is money or whether it's time or spreading the word or any of the things that are available for us to be able to give, now is such an urgent time to be giving everything we can. So let's listen in to the conversation with Yaya and Dada to learn more. Hi, Yaya. Hi, Dara. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kate. It's good to be here. Hi, Kate. Thank you. So we are here today to talk about something really, really important, which is that stimulus checks from the U.S. government are flowing out into people's accounts and mailboxes starting this week. And here in our social justice movements, we are encouraging everybody who can, who doesn't need that literal money to survive, to be redistributing your check to support people either through direct mutual aid or through supporting movement and power building organizations um, by redistributing your check. And so I'm so excited to be here with both of you because you've been doing incredible cutting edge work for weeks around this. You've been preparing for this moment. Um, And I'd love to start with you, Yaya, to talk a little bit about what is going on with these stimulus checks, like who gets them, when they're coming, and also what you're up to with the Share My Check campaign. Totally. Um, 
Happy to. So, um, yeah, as a part of the CARES Act, um, yeah, which was um, passed a couple of weeks ago now, um, yeah, uh, most American citizens are going to be um, receiving uh, stint checks to help simulate the economy um, in response to a lot of folks being out of work, the economy um, really failing right now. And so everybody who um, makes under $75,000 is going to be receiving $1,200. Um, and that amount tapers off um, going up to folks who make over $99,000 um, won't, uh, won't be receiving a check. Um, and of course, for you know, households um, with two people, that's $2,400, um, an additional $500 um, for children. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of folks are being left out of this. Um, and I think um, we're going to get to hear a little bit more from Dara that um, undocumented people in our communities are being uh, left out of this. Um, there's been like a huge addition into um, unemployment benefits and a lot of folks in the gig economy um, in the under the table economy um, are also going to be left out um, of that. And so, um, and there's also um, adult dependents are being left out right now. So, you know, college students um, who might be 20, 21 years old, um, living on their own, working, being their way through school, but still being listed as a dependent um, are also currently left out. But yeah, that said, um, yeah, millions of people um, have already started receiving their check. I think I received my direct deposit today. Um, oh, and wow. so, yeah, I think folks who have direct deposit bank accounts linked to the IRS, because that's how they get their tax returns, are already to see that money come in. And so, yeah, at Research Station, um, yeah, we launched the hashtag ShareMyCheck campaign um, in a website, um, sharemycheck.org. And yeah, we're encouraging everybody who is stable right now, whether that's through having a job that's continuing to pay the savings or having inherited wealth um, to, yeah, redistribute all or part of the stimulus checks that they receive. Um, but, and for the folks won't be receiving stimulus checks because they earn too much. Um, we're also calling uh, upon them to give at least twelve hundred dollars um, in this moment. Um, but yeah, we hope that people who are in that category are moving much more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, and for those people who are like unsure if they're going to get a check or how they know if it's coming, or they're like, "Oh, how would the government have my direct deposit?" We'll put a link in the show notes to the IRS tool that launched, I think, to this morning, um, mm -hmm. so that you can actually look up what's going on with whether you expect a check and uh, how it's going to be delivered to you. Um, and I'm curious, yeah, yeah, like what is your passion or what have been some of the things you've been thinking through that made this campaign important to you? And totally, yeah, yeah, so. I think like, yeah, we, as, as this was being debated, like we knew that there was going to be some sort of um, that direct cash transfer. Um, I think they were debating how much they were debating who would qualify. Um, and so, yeah, I think in research generation, we organize young people who have access um, to wealth um, for redistribution, for racial and economic justice, and really felt like we were headed towards like a mass 
redistribution moments. Like we definitely don't claim to have come up with the idea of uh, redistributing um, these checks, but that it was something that was organically up in a lot of parts of the movement. And we felt like we would be stronger together than some shared language that we could kind of build this into something that's bigger than any one fundraising campaign, but can start a national conversation about um, who's receiving benefits right now, who's not receiving benefits, um, who's stable right now, um, and who really needs support. And, and I think especially in this particular moment that there's almost this binary class system that's emerging. And I think that people who, um, you know, normally would consider themselves middle class, like always, Pairing themselves upwards, like I don't have as much money as this person. We're finding a lot of people are like, oh wow, like I do have a job that has allowed me to work from home, or like I do continue to have income coming in, and that's very different than you know the 16 million people um, who have lost work in this country. And so we also felt like it was a moment to kind of expand the conversation around class and access, and um, yeah, and we wanted to. Yeah, share a little bit of the meaning that we have um, from our history of organizing around privilege and wealth. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate you naming the way that like kind of class consciousness is shifting in this moment. I feel that within myself of just re realizing like so many of my friends that I share kind of a class identity with, but then knowing that I still have income right now and that many of them do not. Um, just creates like such a clear call in terms of realizing who actually needs emergency survival money and who doesn't <laughs> mm -hmm. like just feels much starker and clearer mm -hmm. right now. Um, and in that end, Dara, I would love to hear about, you know, what you all have been talking about in Mov Movimiento Cosecha and the support that you're doing for undocumented workers in your community. Thanks, Kate. Thanks, Yaya, for, for um, describing and, and bringing about um, a lot of the different topics of conversation, um, specifically in regards to the undocumented community. Um, it, it wasn't really uh, like when the pandemic started and all the national precautions uh, pushed us away from our workspaces um, for safety reasons. Um, it, it was way before then that we were recognizing uh, a strong economic need, right? Um, we've, we've started to talk about, um, you know, the different conversations around class, around um, income inequality. Um, but for undocumented immigrants, it's often been the case that it's kind of like at the top of our list, right? Um, we start off with talking about, we started off this conversation talking about the IRS, right? Um, growing up, many of us recognize the I-10 number or the um, uh, immigrant uh, tax ID number. And so we recognize the I-10 because our parents who were working um, early on in like in the 1990s uh, when, when most of us were immigrating to the U.S., uh, we re recognize that number as what would allow us to be able to Kind of still contribute to this country, right? Um, regardless of our status. Um, but until um, many of us were older, right, and recognizing that we weren't actually getting much of that money in return or any of it, right? Um, we were uh, working um, the best way we could um, as undocumented immigrants, but we weren't getting anything in return. Um, so that conversation has always been ongoing. Um, and then there's this whole sentiment of the undocumented worker uh, that continues to serve um, this country with, with our hands, right? 
um, for not only for our benefit economically, right, so that we could provide for our families, um, but also for the communities that we're that we have been growing up in and raising our families in. Um, so when when we started to uh, observe a lot of this um, push with with uh, with Corona, the COVID-19 precautions that were going to be taken nationally, uh, we recognized that financial need was going to be the greatest, right? Um, folks that were starting to get laid off, folks that were getting their hours cut. Um, I'm from I'm from Indiana, and so um, primarily the the main uh, uh, income that that our families uh, obtain from are from manufacturing, agriculture, and hospitality. Um, so we started to see when the hotels started to close down, when um, restaurants in, in Indianapolis in our capital started to close down. So um, that, that kind of urgency came about. Um, and so that, that, par- that is parallel to, to many states in the U.S. And um, Cosecha decided, Movimiento Cosecha um, decided to respond in that manner, right, financially. How can we provide mutual aid? Um, not only to the undocumented immigrants that are leading the movement within their respective states, um, but also our neighbors and and the folks that, you know, are always um, being affected by the policy changes that are either negative or um, or positive within our, our states. Yeah. And so when you started recognizing that need, it's, and also I'm sure also experienced it because the vast majority of folks who are working as organizers and your leaders in Cosecha are also the very same undocumented community that you're talking about being impacted. Mm -hmm. Like as you all were sort of strategizing around your own survival and protection in this time, what did you start putting together? What's your campaign now? Uh, yeah, so we have uh, the Movimiento Cosecha uh, Mutual Aid Fund. It's a it's a national fund that applies to um, not only our active states but any any states uh, for where undocumented immigrants are requesting aid. Um, right now, I'm, I couldn't really tell you the amount because it changes every every day. Um, but we've been able to uh, open up a form uh, a, a form for undocumented immigrants to request. Um, their aid, right? And so right now, um, we have had maybe up to 800 requests nationwide, um, you know, coming from Massachusetts, from New Jersey, from Indiana, Michigan, Georgia, um, and more states. Uh, and, you know, the, the need that, that is coming up a lot is that, that need for the rent, right? Um, need for the rent payments, uh, need for food, need for utility, like nothing of that is really new, right? It applies to many of, of folks that are um, that are living paycheck to paycheck in, in America, right? And so um, we created that fund, and that's kind of where at the stage we're at now. Um, the way that we have organized ourselves, and the way that we intend to uplift undocumented voices, and not have um, someone, uh, because even as organizers, where we're still we still consider ourselves to be in a privileged position where we can have time to think and strategize about how we're going to respond to this crisis. Um, versus like uh, that immediate survival mode. Um, and so the way that we intend to centralize, um, the, even an undocumented-led movement often has to be centralized, right, and centralize the most vulnerable voices. Um, we have created a um, an approval team that is largely led by um, the undocumented community that is leading um, their own circles of cosecha within their states. Um, most folks are are uh, working on documented parents, right? 
So um, they have their own families and they're also supporting the movement and strategy and, and tactics. And um, they're the ones who are, who are setting the criteria, right? Like what, what is the amount that will be um, best for families uh, during this time that we can realistically provide as a mutual aid fund? Um, you know, they're the ones leading the conversations with the community um, because no one, no one else knows their community other than those that are living there and are, are um, you know, living their day to day and supporting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm so grateful to the huge amount of work that you all and those undocumented leaders that are on that selection committee are doing behind the scenes to help redistribute this money. I know for a lot of people listening, like if you're someone who actually can afford to redistribute your check, oftentimes we do have people in our own lives that we know we can directly give to that really need the support. But also because of class stratification in this country, there are many people who can give up their check, but don't know someone directly to give it to. And so Mm -hmm. we're so grateful for the deep work you've been doing in the undocumented community for so long that you're actually so well positioned with the relationships, with the trust in the community, with the perspective to actually help move those kinds of resources where they're needed the most. And so just thank you all so much for all the labor that that takes and all the decision-making and all the figuring out um, while you're also in an emergency state, right, Mm -hmm. Um, to help that redistribution happen. Mm -hmm. Um, So if people can give, where should they go? Uh, Yep. So uh, I'm I'm sure you'll share the link. Uh, We have the National Mutual Aid Fund link. Um, specifically that will be for um, for people who request uh, using the cosecha form. Um, within that link, we also have a list of other um, mutual aid funds across across the country that have um, reached out to cosecha for support. Um, so folks, you know, if, if, if you have some um, amount, whatever it is that, you know, fits within your budget, um, you can go to this national link um, and then, you know, you could either donate to Movimiento Cosecha or um, to the list of the other funds that are available. Uh, but regardless, um, all, all of them are, um, all of the money will go uh, specifically to undocumented families. And um, it's also through, through the Cosecha lens, it's not also just about providing service, um, but it's also about uh, being able to continue to build the movement, right? Continue to amplify this voice of that need um, that is often holding our community um, at, at an invisible state, right? So what, what is it that we can do now um, so that we don't continue in, in, that, in that cycle? Um, so yeah, it's through that online link and, um, that's primarily it. And we're also participating with, um, share my check efforts, uh, which we also have, um, a separate link for, for folks that want to, to donate, um, specifically through, through this, uh, stimulus, uh, check initiative, um, that we then follow up and, and, um, allow them to choose whether it's through the mutual aid fund that they donate or to other funds. Mm-hmm. Cool. And yeah, yeah, if people do want to be counted in the Share My Check pledge as well as giving directly either to Cosecha or somewhere else, where do they find that information? Totally, yeah, um, sharemycheck.org. Uh, yeah, organizing the community that we do, we have a lot of folks with skills, and so we had some members as we were kind of launching this campaign, they're like, hey, can we 
put a website together. It looks like sharemychecks.org is available. You want us to grab that? And you know, I'm doing a thousand things a day as an organizer. It's like, sure. And yeah, we have some members who built a really beautiful standalone site. I'm um, super grateful to have that. Mm-hmm. And it felt meaningful to me to be able to both do the pledge and sort of see the political and economic power being built through that portal at sharemycheck.org and then also have an opportunity to look at a bunch of the organizations that you have featured there, which do include Cosecha, um, to consider, you know, how to how and where to redistribute, but to have that sort of movement hub of counting, uh, mm-hmm. counting the political and economic power of people who are moving uh, their resources in there this way right now. Totally, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. I think as of last check, we have a like over a thousand, like a thousand eighty folks who have signed on, and uh, we have like over like three and a half million dollars being pledged to be redistributed this month, um, wow. which is just super. I mean, of course, you know, we have some folks who are committing lots, lots more than just their check, and uh, you know, folks who are um, like really amplifying their giving in this moment. Um, we have a member who has been on kind of a, a multi-year plan of spending down a trust fund who is like escalating their giving. And yeah, in this moment it was like, you know, this has been feeling good. Like I'm not, I don't think I'm gonna stop this redistribution. So why not do it all right now? And so has like really kind of um, taken their foot off the brake. And I think we're hearing some like really, yeah, amazing and heartening stories of, of redistribution that's happening um, in this moment. Wow. Yeah, it does feel like a time, I even feel like that internally with our little budget for this podcast project of like, it's a time that if you have it, like, why, what are you keeping it for if not now, right? Like, like whatever resources we have, what is the, the theoretical future scenario in which we're hoarding them for when there is literally an emergency, a global level emergency happening now? It's it's awesome to hear that people who, you know, we've been taught to really like be scared about not having enough resources and really been brought up under scarcity in this society. Mm-hmm. Like to imagine this is the moment that that saving was for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And on that note, like I know on the share, share my check website, I loved a little video that you all have there mm-hmm. that actually talks through a little bit of the emotional and psychological process for people who are not, obviously wealthy, (laughs) like who might be thinking, you know, I'm getting this check and I still have a job today, but like I work for wages and Mm -hmm. I don't know what's coming. I don't know if an economic recession is coming. I don't know if one of my family members is going to get sick. Like, is this Mm -hmm. a time that I should just be looking out for me and looking out Mm -hmm. for mine and like cashing this away? (laughs) Or is this something I can give up? Will you just walk us through like how have you thought about some of those emotional components in a time where there is so much uncertainty to know whether you can really let go of your money right now? Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I can speak from my own personal experience. Like, um, I have a mixed class background. I have like a wealthy father who lives in Morocco, but I was raised like a yeah, poor to lower middle class home here in the United States with my mom. And um, yeah, I'm not really talking to my dad right now. And so all of the money that I have access to are coming to through my work. Um, so yeah, I'm, yeah, all of my monthly expenses are covered. I'm working towards like a six month 
um, like safety net. Um, that's what you know financial data to build the savings goal. And so when I first heard about this redistribution, I was like, yeah, it's going to be fall. It's going to go into my savings. It's going to get me closer to that goal. Um, and then, you know, I think it was like a day later, I'm in an organizing meeting and being like, no, this is just like such an important moment. Um, and that there yeah, are so many people in my immediate community. Um, like all of my housemates have lost work. I'm the only one who still has a job. Um, I live with five other people. And so, yeah, I think it's really leaning into that, like, um, like I know that I'm going to be okay. I know that I still have a job that's paying the bills. Like I know that I have a roof over my house. I'm not afraid of getting food. I'm not afraid of my utilities coming off. And so I think really choosing to, yeah, I think we talk about scarcity and abundance and I think just like leaning into, I have everything that I need and the things that I don't need, my community will provide for me. And so I can let go of the extra that, that I have right now, that this isn't the time for me to be working on my retirement. This isn't the time for me to be working on my long-term savings, but this is the time to be really deepening those bonds um, with community. Um, and so, yeah, personally, I'm going to be redistributing um, to my housemates. Uh, I'm going to be doing a big chunk to them. I'm going to be doing another big chunk to um, our local social justice fund in Philly um, that's doing some rapid response grant making to movement organizations. Um, but yeah, at, at Resource Generation, we, um, there, we know that there's so many places that need resourcing right now. And so we're just um, get people to bring the money somewhere um, and yeah, leave it at that. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, well, again, so grateful to both of you for creating the infrastructure and the shift around the common sense of redistributing these funds for everyone who can. Um, and also the invitation around doing more if you can. I mean, for those who have savings, um, who are living very comfortably right now, who haven't lost work, you know, this money that's coming in was extra money that wasn't part of anything we were counting on. And there's a chance that there is actually more there in terms of our own funds that we can match the amount of the check or maybe even give more. Um, so this is an incredible time as you're talking about, yeah, yeah, to take your foot off the brake around scarcity mindset and to actually really let resources flow because there are many, many people living on the edge who are highly impacted by COVID, who are not getting government support. Um, and it's our job as a community to support each other. Um, so as we transition out, anything else that either of you want to share in terms of closing words or anything you didn't get to say that you would want people to know? Yeah, um, I think from from our perspective, and I, I resonate um, highly with Yaya in regards to um, that scarcity scarcity mindset, and it's actually been a, a topic of conversation within um, the organizing space around the mutual aid fund with Movimiento Cosecha um, and our own reflections as undocumented immigrants and um, other folks that may have DACA are DACA recipients, um, because you know, as, as we know, DACA recipients are eligible for this this check. Um, they're also eligible for unemployment depending on their, um, on their states. Um, and they're also, you know, that have been a DACA recipient um, set, sets uh, you to not, not the ideal state, right? Because we're still um, holding a temporary status, but it's still that um, uh, 
opportunity for us to find other resources. Um, and so for, for us, um, thinking about that scarcity mindset within our own community, um, I think that it has really come down to, and you mentioned it at the, at the beginning of, of, of this conversation, was that, um, you know, everything that we need is already in our community and our community is going to respond and, and provide. Um, and so I think that the more um, we are exposed to that, um, conversation and we're more we're exposed to actually seeing folks come out right um, within our communities here um, people that hadn't been really involved right uh, before are coming out and um, setting up food drives in their own driveways right like say hey come donate I'll put together like 10 15 food packages and deliver them right um, and so just the creativity of our community of our neighbors and um, even being undocumented uh, you know, we, we, we always find a way. Um, and that, that's why I really resonate with that, right? It's not that this, this isn't the moment, right, to hold on to as much as we can, even though, you know, it's um, respected if that is uh, folks' decision. Um, but I think that one thing that would really be um, transformative for us to realize and to be able to recognize is, is how our communities are responding, which is um, empowering. And it's something that, um, is going to mean so much to what happens after the after this um, crisis, or yeah, during and after. Yeah, a couple um, a couple of things that that I would want to add is so yeah. So while our campaign is to get individuals to sign on to um, yeah to pledge um, part of their check. Uh, this is also an offering to other movement organizations, uh, and so um, if you go to the website and you fill out the form, there's a box that you can check that, say I'm that says I'm connected to an organization that might be interested in joining this campaign. Um, we have, like I think, over 50 organizations um, that are participating. Um, some of them are running their own fundraisers, have their own pledge um, that you can find more information about. Some of them are just you know doing social media and boosting um, our campaign and directing folks um, to our form. And so, yeah, I just wanted to let folks um, who might be connected to organizations um, and kind of take that one step um, bigger than an individual action. And then I think the other thing is, uh, I think I'm like in this moment, there's like so much like, collective trauma. There's so much, um, I think, pain in our communities. But I think I'm also just like really trying to hold on to the, the hope of this moment and that this is a, a time when I think we can really be contesting for what is like what's politically possible and just like looking to other countries that are doing like two or three thousand dollar like monthly payments that are not going to stop until this crisis is over or looking to other countries that are doing 100% of lost wages as part of their unemployment program having moratoriums on rent and utilities um, like, I think there's like over 800 organizations right now pushing for a moratorium on utility shutoffs federally. Um, we know that that's starting to be enacted at state and local levels. And so I think in addition to the, the individual action of redistribution, we're hoping that this is an invitation to yeah, being a part of the longer term um, movement work of shifting what's politically possible. Yeah, just want to add that. Yes. I love how much both of you are really calling us into like the moves we're making now individually and the systemic shifts that we're pushing now 
are creating the world that we're going to reemerge back into when we come through this crisis. There is so much opening right now. Um, and all of these choices that we make right now, uh, personally and systemically, are what's going to create the conditions for our organizing in the future. And so thank you for the openings you're creating and the opportunities you're giving for people to join you um, in a future that is about justice in distribution of resources and support and survival and thriving for all of us. Um, and thank you so much for making a little bit of time to talk with us on the show today. Thanks y'all. Thank you so much. An enormous thank you to Dara and the whole team and community at Movimiento Cosecha, as well as Yaya and the team at Resource Generation for advancing this campaign to move as many people to redistribute their stimulus checks as possible right now. We so appreciate your work. And for those of you who want to learn more or can give all or any part of your check, visit sharemycheck.org and also check out our show notes for the links directly to the Undocumented Worker Fund with Movimiento Cosecha and other places that you can give. You can find those show notes at irresistible.org slash podcast slash 62. And if you don't remember that, you can look in the episode description on whatever app you're listening and find that link there to see all the resources that Yaya and Dada talked about. We are doing so much work here at Irresistible to bring you content and movement news and, uh, and practice space to process everything that's going on in our lives and our political landscape during this COVID-19 crisis. You can find all of our coverage at irresistible.org and lean on insight from chronically ill and disabled movement leaders about how we adjust to navigating during this time. You can find our book club where we're reading a book called Healing Resistance with people all around the world. That's by Kazuhaga in partnership with Parallax Press, which is the publishing house that was founded by Thich Nhat Hanh's community at Plum Village. Um, and you can also find information about joining our care circles, which is our weekly circle for virtual practice together. Hundreds of you have been joining each week with our circle keeper, BJ Starr, and we have been enjoying practices and connection around topics like honoring our pain, singing together, deepening and sensing into rest together, and really enjoying that moment of connection in our week. It's just for one hour on Thursday nights, free. We welcome you to join. You can check out that information at irresistible.org circle. If you have enough to survive during this time, and if you're redistributing your stimulus check to mutual aid funds for people on the front lines who need that support the most right now, and you still have more to give, please consider supporting and sustaining our work here at Irresistible. We are putting out free resources every day to sustain the spirits and the well-being and the analysis and growth of our social justice leaders. And we are really amping up what we're doing during this time to take care of our people. So if you would like to contribute and support us, you can find the ways to do that at irresistible.org donate. 
And a huge thank you to our producer, Zach Meyer at The Coal Room, to Allison Thompson for social media, and to Calliopeia Foundation for supporting us. Calliopeia is dedicated to reconnecting ecology, culture, and spirituality, and you can learn more at calliopeia.org. Thanks y'all for sticking with us for your generosity and your commitment during this time. And together, let's keep embodying the values and making the moves now that are building the foundations of the world that we want to make as we emerge from this crisis together. Hear you soon.